I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk More Movies, show where we try and talk about movies, but never talk about anything and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I am your host, Michael Present, and my left is Anto Marait. Do you ever think sometimes that the opening thing goes on a little bit too long? Only just when we start staring into each other's <laughs> eyes and just feel, <laughs> it's never going to end. That's the exact moment that I was on. Because like, <laughs> the first week beats like, oh, you know what, this is good, it's catchy, and then it's like, ah, this is going on for fucking too long. Well, he's used to talk over it, and that kind of made, kind of helped you get through it a bit. But he's he's sacked it recently. Will, will we do it again. You want to do it again? Just, just keep, right. no, keep we'll go for it again. I just right, keep okay. playing. I write we'll down one for a crack. Will I? Well, uh, right. Okay. Here. You, you ready to go? Yeah. Right, go on. You ready? Uh, da, da, Wait, my turn. Do you want to talk about the big man's t-shirt? Because it goes past my fucking knees. Look, what's up, everybody? Welcome to. I was good. I like that. Maybe we should double intro. Shen race the the like each other to tell as much. Crack that's not related to films. <laughs> and you know, catch up. It's not bad, and then actually. We have to go to films. And then, ooh, <laughs> ah, fuck. <laughs> the best part of that story. Fuck. <laughs> but then you have to save it until the very end of the podcast. <laughs> I <laughs> wait, it starts up. <laughs> <laughs> that's an idea. That's fucking, it's definitely got legs. <laughs> definitely got legs. Definitely going to forget about it by next book. Uh, <laughs> uh, should we call this the dole episode as well? Because it seems that every one of this is absolutely skinned. I want to call. I want to cover that in the danger bottle segment because <laughs> <laughs> normally the danger bottle is we buy a bottle of booze for as uh, for money. Strong <laughs> um, sentence. Yeah, <laughs> but this this week we're we're all skint. So what what we've done or what, what do, I've what done? Do you <laughs> done? Like that? Do you is that there's there's previous danger bottles that lay around the house that were like fully drank or whatever. <laughs> Just a bit <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've for obvious reasons. The ones with more left than was always a fucking danger sign. Like I can't even remember this fucking 
Sanatogan, I didn't even remember this. Sanatogan. 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 Joe Rogan. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Fucking but yeah, so I've, I've, I've mixed together a few of the previous Danger Bottles. So we have Tequila Rose, which was actually was quite sweet. enjoyed by I don't like it. Nice, I, nice. I kept drinking it the entire night then that we had it, and it doesn't get you. Is it of milk in it? Is it not essentially fucking cottage cream at this stage? No, no it's, it's all right. It's curdled now that I've added more alcohol to it, but you know. <laughs> And so we have Apple Cactus Jacks. Which, until literally just before this podcast, I didn't realize could go off. Cottage cream, cottage cheese, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> in, in, the sh- in the shop earlier, I seen, no, no, like just like a two liter thing of milk you would get. Yeah. It was a two liter, it was the same bottle, but it was two liters of whipping cream. That's a nice one. <laughs> and it's just like, but it still says milk on it as well. But it says whipping cream. And strange your shop. I was just like, what if people just buy that and then like pour it on their carplegs? Is that when you have like a dominating relationship when you want the other person to do it? You just fuck this cream at them. Get the fuck out and fucking make that tea. <laughs> whipping cream. Ah. Uh, no. Ah, right. Uh, now I get it. There's a bit of a slow <laughs> burn there. Like 10 grand drops. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, we have Tequila Rose, Cax Jacks, and as Sha mentioned, the Sanatogan, which is a tonic wine that tasted off when we first got it, so I don't know what it's like. See, now. I'm a fan of Bugfest, but this tastes nothing like it. Not as much caffeine in this at all. I like. know. It, it was really because I thought it would have been like Tesco's version of Bugfest, but it ain't. Only good thing about the Sanatogan, though, is that there's loads yet. Loads <laughs> so yet, I think this might, be the, this might get us through. Well, I'm... D- <laughs> I'm d- that's a clash of ear. Best <laughs> <laughs> thing about this is our stacks it. <laughs> can put that on the bottle. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> Fact reviewing countries. Best thing about China is stacks them. <laughs> <laughs> Best thing about Germany, massive. <laughs> but so is is Sanatogan your your drink of choice for the rest of the podcast, Andrew? Just because it's nearly a full bottle, I don't have nothing else. So I think I'm gonna. I'm, I'm currently on whiskey mixed with beer. Jesus <laughs> Christ, many. Over, over oh, ice, you, I'm you not an animal. I thought I misheard you. All right, okay. You <laughs> How the mighty have fallen me? <laughs> hey. Get you really fucked up really quick. <laughs> I so. I yeah, yeah. Can I try that? Uh, mm, well, I don't know if you, I want you to be that very blocked. Beer ski? <laughs> My joke. There you go. Beer? <laughs> okay, just... Oh, you, oh! I, I thought you. I thought you wanted to make yourself no, one. I'm a fuck. No, it just essentially tastes like beer. Do you want to tell the listener as well about the the fatal concoction that you tried just before the podcast? Well, yeah. This this is what of this is the danger bottle, which is the Takeda Rose Cactus Jacks and Saratoga mixed all together. Is there beer in this? Yeah. It's not bad, yeah. <laughs> Why do you think it just tastes like scotch? <laughs> no, it starts off tasting like beer, and then it ends up tasting like scotch. It's you know, perfect it, marriage. It's not. It doesn't hit you. We have to get a glass. <laughs> nah, I'm <watching> <laughs> I stick to me, me fosters. You've just been botched. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. I, I'm Beer not... and scotch. Ah, uh, botched. botched. <laughs> Go on, anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay. So no, I was moving swiftly on that. It isn't. <laughs> But yeah, so the concoction, I made it inside a, a skull bottle, and because the Takeda Rose is curdled a wee bit, it kind of looks kind of bitty. It so I'm mad though, it looks like it's fucking brain matter inside that skull. I saw so I'm, 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 I'm calling it uh, like a brain hemorrhage. I know there's already like a shot called a brain hemorrhage, but you know, I'm I'm taking it. I had a sip it earlier on, it was quite nice. 
I, I think I because tried the, it with everything together. The cake that shakes the apples that strong, it just cuts it just tastes like fucking apples like. Mm, it smells like apples. I don't like that butt too. That butt's rubbed off pulping. Good. You don't like pulp in your orange juice? No, I'm a smooth <laughs> man myself. I always go for that smooth. <laughs> yeah, it just tastes like cactus jack. Actually, fuck more Sanatogan and <laughs> and that Takeda Rose in there. This is going to end on fucking tears, lads. <laughs> it's Monday night too, like. Oh, no. Don't tell them Don't that. Don't tell them that. We're, How much? We're, tell me when. This? We're, we're nah, just what, show. Do what you feel, man. Do what you feel. Can I leave then? <laughs> but I, but, but more now. <laughs> so he's just put fucking Saratoga, whatever the fuck you call it, and then he's putting Takeda Rose in it. Quite masterfully. Tequila rose, I mean, that's so smooth looking. Tequila rose. I'm going to as soon as that, right? Because I do very much enjoy it. Tequila's going to. Tequila going to get you. Psycho tequila. I need tequila. Tequila is what I need. Give it a shake, no, you mad man. Oh, fuck, that's so nice. Well, we say they taste like they already Campari on them. That's tequila rose. Camp, uh, campin, campino. Campino was it? Campino. Campari. Is that not a? That's like a, a drink. Drunk guy. Yeah. Anyway, did you ever hear about that uh, Southern American spirit uh, inspired by Chayon Fat? What? Tequila. <laughs> the killer. <laughs> but before Max Timer, but. Uh... <laughs> You know what? I'm, I'm actually stumped that you went there. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I fuck it. <laughs> yeah, then you can't win. Like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. You don't think I will. Can't get this. If you don't have a ticket, you can't win the raffles. What I was going for. Pretty much exactly. Pretty much. I just fucking aborted that sentence after about fucking half a word. <laughs> It was Here, a, a lit Heron. sentence. Heron, just no. try. Don't be a dick. Have a wee sup. Just have a wee sup. It's nice. You're handing it to me bad arm. Well, uh, grow another arm. <laughs> Man, I suppose, suppose if you're growing another arm, you probably should just fix the other one first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like growing another dick. <laughs> Oh, fuck me, man. Oh. Go on. It's schlafly. I mean, I'd rather fucking lick piss out of a gypsy sock. I feel half Oh, wait, we, we had that before <laughs> as well. We had about three drinks. <laughs> and I'm, a small I'm, 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 I'm wrecked already as well, and I've only had, I've had one beer ski. And some you swags quite, of brain hair. one quite red. You're going that nice red that you go when you're blocked. <laughs> nice, nice reddish hue. <laughs> Down your plums. <laughs> Down your plums. Get right, the bread Let's start talking about films. We'll talk films. What have we watched this week, folks? He's going first. Me? Me. If you want to talk about films, I probably shouldn't go first. Uh, should we? Clue freeze. Aye, fuck it. I'll go first. I watched. Uh, oh fuck! What's that? <laughs> I forgot the fucking <laughs> name of it. I don't know if it's. Oh no! I, I, Describe I, it. What happened? Two, two days and one night. That's what it's called. It's um, Belgium film by the Dardan brothers. You ever watched any other stuff? No. <laughs> I thought it was that fucking Harrison Ford film. Oh, six days, seven nights. With fucking David Schwimmer as a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a heap of shit too. Oh, it's wild. <laughs> 
Harrison, Harrison Ford has a hell of a wife in that film. He does. Yeah. Hell of a wife. Hell of a wife. <laughs> One hell of a wife there. Pure truth. Hell um, a swimmer bangs her. <laughs> does he? Aye. Aye. Fuck, I can't even mind that. Hey, I'm going get on this again. He seemed really excited about or... David Schwimmer getting his end away. Can I stand David Schwimmer? I don't know, I just don't like him. Anyway. Why are you so excited? I don't know, it just kind of took me by surprise that that happened. Like fucking uh, he actually had like, a sex scene. And just Harrison Ford getting custard pied. Like, well, but, he uh, was like banging his wife. And, and, I don't know. Was it that the plane crash lands on some island or some uh, shit? Uh, uh, if they fight off pirates and all. And, uh, uh, so it was Harrison Ford and some other girl. And then, but then... David Swimmers, the girl's husband, and then the hottie way body is Harrison Ford's wife. Mm. It's kind of like romance in the stone, except there's no stone. And it's not very good. There's, there's a lot of romance in there. Uh, there's a lot of romance in Too much romance in one reviewer said. Bones. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> there's a magnet at one point. Two days and one night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, by the Dardenne brothers. They're... Uh, Two Belgian uh, filmmakers. You ever seen their stuff? No, no, I don't. They're like they're both of them now are kind of in their sixties, one sixty two, one sixty five. But they're kind of like held in high esteem in like European cinema and stuff like that. And this one, like one of the first other films I've seen, but all their films are like really simplistic, like really simple storylines and very like sort of rooted in the indie aesthetic. And this one, it's uh, Marion. What did you say, Cotillard? You know, who won the Oscar for Cotillard, who won the Oscar for uh, Vion Rose. Basically all it is is she is a woman who's had depression, has had about a time off work. She works in like some sort of fucking welding factory or something. And there's a big vote between the staff. They kind of vote her out from her job. So she can roll her... Oh, I do know this film. It's on Netflix. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. but I, 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 know, I know where you're going right now. She can... Uh, <laughs> basically all the staff and stuff like that vote to have her sacked so they can all get £1,000 bonuses. Yeah. And it's kind of depressing because the, the whole thing is just her going about for the weekend then asking her fellow employees to kind of change their mind because she can't go on the dole because she can't afford it. She's got two wanes and the recession and stuff like that. And it's brilliant. It's really well observed. I mean, like it, it, it doesn't get any simpler than that. I mean, it is literally just her going from house to house and saying, please, I really need this job. But somehow it doesn't get repetitive. Mm. And I think it doesn't get repetitive because she's really, really good. I think as well, it's just saw that touches you know a lot of people like a lot of people know that sort of impending fear of being unemployed or not having enough money to kind of mm. get through you know especially in the, the sort of times we're living in so I know it, it, on a personal level it kind of got me as well because you know being unemployed and stuff in the middle as well and you can kind of get a wee sense of what she's going through and stuff like that but it's really well done and there's a nice parallel too in there of her being unemployed and feeling like kind of very lost and being unsure about the future and then with the sort of clinical depression that she has as well they draw up some nice kind of parallels with it and how she kind of feels disconnected. Not only with her staff, but we have, they have this whole thing where her and her husband apparently haven't slept with each other in like four months and she's kind of distant from her children. But it's it's brilliant. And again, it's 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 a wee 90 manner, Very, very simplistic, but just done in a really good way with really strong performances. And I think it's just a sort of storyline that might be a bit basic, but I suppose kind of touches a lot of people. Or, you know, everybody can get that fear. Everybody maybe knows or know, at least knows somebody who's who's went through that. But uh, I really enjoyed it. Too. And from seeing that now, I kind of want to seek out the rest of Dart Embraer stuff because apparently all the other stuff's just as good. I've only ever seen one other film. And that was pretty good too. So two days, one night is how much time she has to convince people? Pretty much. It's just uh, for over the weekend. She goes, I think there's <coughs> 16, 16 uh, employees who voted 
and she needs a majority of nine, and it's her trying to get the nine, and I'll not spoil if, if she gets it or not, but it's kind of cool as well, because you would think that if that film was done the different way, and it'd be kind of ramped up intense, it's like, oh, you know, will she get the nine for, you know, this whole big voyage about her, but that's kind of irrelevant, you know, her actually getting the people on her side and stuff like that, there's a, it's just about her kind of journey and actually you know fighting for herself because at the start she's just going to give up and say oh you know what fuck it they're, they're going to sack me i'll just leave it as it is and i'll, I'll, I'll go on the dole and, and be unhappy but then her husband who's kind of her backbone convinces her they, they kind of fight for it and it's, it's more about that like her kind of taking a stand for herself and, and defend herself again which is i think the the well the best thing about the narrative really you know what i mean as opposed to kind of getting these people on her side but, uh, no, it's sweet. That is actually really, really... It's one of those ones I had me watch this for ages, and I thought, yeah. you know what, fuck it. I'm trying to watch a lot more European stuff now, because recently I've just realised that I've just been watching a lot of shit American stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of want to expand that a bit. Because you don't have a fucking DVD shop anymore. Mm. You always just go to the foreign section, you end up buying a couple, but just thinking, I can scare next day fuck all foreign films on it yeah and Netflix is not far behind like. no. they, they've been adding more foreign yeah, language stuff better, like, uh, I've noticed because uh, even with their original stuff as well they have some like original like foreign language shows like. in mm. fairness like I mean that's been on there for I think that's that's been on there since I had Netflix and that's I think I've had it for about a year and a half but I've noticed that recently Netflix you're right they are adding a lot more kind of European and world cinema but it's, a lot of it seems to be like kind of Indian and Bollywood stuff, have you noticed that? Like Iranian no. cinema too, there seems to be a lot of Iranian cinema on there at the moment, which is pretty cool because like... Uh, it's massively popular, that shit like. Mm, it was through, what do you call it? It was through Netflix that I watched the, A Separation as well. And that's like, you know, why a lot of people say oh, it's the best film ever to come out of Iran. It's fucking yeah. absolutely brilliant. Like. But uh, no, it's good. And I would say if, if you're under that sort of slow, I'm not even slow burning, but just very strapped back and the aesthetic... With some plastic storylines, but like strong performances, give it a watch and maybe check out their other stuff too because apparently it's a theme that just runs through it. And Marion Cotillard got nominated Cotillard. for an Oscar. Cotillard? Cotillard? She got nominated for an Oscar for that film. And I think it's the first ever performance in a Belgian film to be nominated for an Oscar. But at, at the same time too, it might be just the Oscars topical one of, oh, we'll nominate, you know, the four expected ones and then we'll give like this kind of fucking Dark Horse out of nowhere nomination, which they always kind of get slagged about. Much but, like uh, BoJack Horse. <laughs> or, I, or much like uh, mine fucking, was it? About two or three years ago, it was that obscure, I can't even remember the actor's name, but it was a Spanish actor and he got nominated for a Spanish or Mexican maybe prison drama and like no one had seen it. And like he was, you it's remember that? One, uh, it's the one... Um is it sell fucking it was only like three years ago he got he got nominated for best actor and no one had even prisoner? heard him hmm? prisoner no, no I, I, I'll tell you what I'll, I'll search it in the phone which you're kind of chatting about yours maybe we'll go back to it like uh, I think I know, it's like sell 213 or something like that is it no? possibly you yeah, might you might be right but we'll we'll, we'll check profit, it out no? no it wasn't a profit he no. didn't get he didn't get that's a fucking cracking show as well actually sure. might use that as a wee recommendation uh, but uh, aye what do you guys watch I watched uh, The Way of the Gun. Ah. The Way of the Gun. That's... <laughs> <coughs> that's your man, isn't it? Director? Aye, uh, T.A. Doney. No. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> Christopher McQuarrie. Aye. With, Chris, uh, Chris Quar. Jack Reacher. That's never going to work, Mickey. <laughs> Chris Quar. Chris Quar. Chris Quar. That was a bridge two, bridge two Quar there, Mickey. Sorry, I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> but, uh... Uh, no, I'm not, not going to bother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wrote and directed Jack Reacher. He wrote Age of Tomorrow, and he wrote and directed The Last Mission Impossible. 
and he wrote the suspects but was directed by Brad Seger. Did he write that one Valkyrie as well? I don't know. Mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just you were so come on, man. Mm, don't know. <laughs> I'm very sure he did. Did he? I think that's where he started his love affair with Tom Cruise. Oh. Tamba. Uh, Why? Well, where are they going? Right. It, um, it's around the time of usual suspects. Uh, it stars what do you call him? Fuck and uh, Ryan Philippe. Ryan Philippe back in a wee Ryan bit of a badass, which surprisingly enough is kind of believable. I mean, uh, when we. Because I watched the end of you and we were kind of saying, we were always kind of confused that, well, I was always kind of confused at how Ryan Philippe done Ray Micah, but then you says that maybe for a lot of Hollywood audiences, you th- a while a lot of people thought him, found him maybe we were too effeminate or something like that there. Uh, I just don't think people believed him as, as mm. you know, as take a, him seriously. Like. As a bad arse. I thought he was, was a bad I was a bit of a hard bastard now, though. I, was, I thought he was uh, good enough. It's him, fucking Benish, Benicio del Toro, to the layman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People don't know what that work <laughs> And uh, Juliet Lewis. Christopher James, McQuarrie did write Valkyrie as well. Did it honest, man. Uh, James Caan and other actors. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it's very good. Oh, what do you call it? What do you call it? But it's always from Clint Eastwood films. Uh, he died there last year. He was in Tight Pines Drifter. And he was in... He was, he was the police chief in Tango and Cash. No he was there for us, I, but he's a lot of Clint Eastwood films. But he's in it as well. But um, like the whole story it, it's kind of around this nineties time when they were trying to do small films based around sort of small MacGuffins, kind of bringing back like almost remaking B movies, uh, DB A movies, if you know what I mean. Like Tarantino was doing it, Paul uh-huh. Thomas Anderson was doing it with with a like Hard Eight and Sex Lies and Video Tape and. You know, even uh, Hard Eight just been out the Netflix yesterday too. Hey, Hard Eight was just out the Netflix yesterday too. It's good show. Uh, AKA suddenly, uh, but uh, <laughs> and Soderbergh and stuff, and and when and especially probably most especially was uh, Rodriguez and Tarantino for like sort of remaking a B movie, but you know, trying to have a class date. This one's is it's quite, it's a strange atmosphere date. I think the pacing's a wee bit weird. Um, you, you can see why, like, because we watched Usual Suspects soon after it, and, like, just the directing of Brian, of Brian Singer is just, it's just superior, like, yeah. even just back then, anyway. So much tighter as well. It's so much tighter, so much slicker. He, he knows how to make an edit work. He knows how strange shots will find their way into an edit, whereas Way of the Gun is quite kind of matter-of-factly. You know, yeah. it, it's kind of mid shot they close up to whatever and the, the, the odd time you get a wee flourish of fuck that's a nice shot and I'm trying to do that shot and the dialogues is pretty good um it ends off and like it ends up in like sort of uh South America in this sort of desert town and this big sort of standoff shootout gunfight mm-hmm. type thing and a few interesting things in there and stuff and it, it is a pretty cool show and it's definitely enjoyable but um to be honest I expected more of it um, I think his work on it's good, you know, the writing's good and I like their characters but I got may have found myself not really caring when I found it was just a sort of a just a remake of a genre picture that wasn't yeah. really saying anything new, you're bringing anything new. Mm-hmm. You know, because there was <coughs> there's even things like <coughs> if you compare like James Cann's character who's called the handler on it or the, the bag man or something like that. He's bag kind man. of like what 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 Quarry tends to write is like he, he creates mythical qualities around lots of his characters and 
creates ambiguity and the bagman's almost like the kobayashi character in the usual suspects you know and even the scene even the way he's introduced you can just compare it to how well directed and how well edited usual suspect is as in comparison i mean it's a nice scene when you see him come in but it's just it it, it does lack something and it just i think it just lacks a wee bit of style you know i think he thought the power of seeing james can come on screen would be enough and it just wasn't yeah you know but um it's just it's petty petty thieves petty crime and this kind of stuff and uh it's about oh guys all chasing the same money and this kind of thing and it all comes to a head in the last you know the last showdown and stuff and all but definitely enjoyable there's some really interesting stuff on it but it just if you're expecting like another usual suspects i would say uh it just doesn't hang quite together as well as usual suspects but it is, it is definitely worth a watch like I remember watching it with you and then kind of doing a wee bit of reading about it after. I, I know some parts you just kind of come up with a wee bit strange to me. It's almost like they didn't really know what they wanted to be because some stuff's kind of like uh, blackly funny and it is genuinely funny in a sort of dark way but it doesn't really fit the scene. Uh, like at the end, you know, like kind of with the childbirth and stuff like that and you're thinking... It's sort of like... It almost becomes like absurdist or something. Then. Like uh, it it's sticks out. Like, let's, let's, let's just do everything. Uh, <laughs> and it's like... It's that thing of you ever see Wonder Boys when Katie Holmes says to Michael Douglas and he says you're always teaching us about making choices whereas in this book I feel like he didn't make any choices. There's a couple of moments in that film where I just felt like he had a choice to keep that together and keep it tonally together and then there's that weird there's a weird bit in the phone where like as a joke one of the boys starts screaming and all and it's just mm. so out of character the film and it's like because it's just too, it's too wacky. There's the bit as well where he fucking what's what's he grabbing in the dick like he fucking grabs a doctor's eyebrow or something or is it his ear it just looks really he does it twice in the film he grabs his fucking earlobe or something like that and starts tugging it that would make more sense than an eyebrow I don't think anyone's ever grabbed no but I mean like no no, no, that's what I'm saying it was it was so it was so strange looking I think that's why it stood out to me you know what I mean it doesn't look like something that fucking somebody would usually do guess I grab that eyebrow guess I grab that eyebrow but uh and what do you call him the fella that the fella puts pretty much rats on them all in Dead Poets Society and doesn't stand up at the end with the old cap my cap and the ginger one. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but he's the doctor. He Bastard. Always gets the does, does, does he have a set of eyebrows on him? <coughs> he's got a fair set of eyebrows on him. <laughs> <laughs> of course, he's got logs on him too, hey? <laughs> Just <laughs> grab anything. I can't like, I don't know, I can't like the fur that. Obviously, doesn't really work as a cohesive film, but because that sort of Maybe unintentional wackiness, you would say. It maybe stands out a bit more. Because I know now, I didn't even realise this until you kind of brought it up, but it's got like a big cult status. I'd never really heard it until you kind of told me no, about no. it, to be honest with you. Sarah Seldman's on it for the first. Sarah Seldman's on it too, that's right, they. Yeah. Preferably for the first minute. Ryan Philippe. Uh, that's what I thought in the face. <laughs> it's a great opening, though, I think. Uh, no, but he actually, in, the, in, in reality, he did actually punch her in the face by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Just took her out, like. <laughs> apparently she woke up and he was just like standing over crying and all see that's why you can never be believed as a hard man because he because he cries when he, he smashes a woman, woman flissing <laughs> <laughs> but he sold it for the scene we do not condone domestic violence <laughs> or just violence Michael so <laughs> So as as Christopher McQuarrie's first directing thing, do you, do you see 
like bits of him kind of shining through is because you, you you love his other stuff now. Like. I love his other stuff. I, I think what I can see. I, I mean, I think he learned to be a a, a a director. I think he learned off like some of the best. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and um, I think he just learned what worked. I mean, it's an odd film. Don't get me wrong. It's it is odd. It's deliberately odd. But uh, it's sort of it gets to the point where you, you you stop believing the you know the hands that it's on. Sometimes you're kind of going, if this was in different hands, that probably wouldn't be there and this kind of stuff. And it would just be it would run a bit better. But I think <clears throat> the writing definitely uh, is uh, is the thing that changed through as as the same as it's in creating kind of myths and legends and stuff. And even the way he writes about Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible 5 the, the way the Tom Cruise and the other spy talk to each other you know it's like a sort of um what would you say there's like a it just it makes them larger than life the way he writes the characters like hmm. you know he's letting you know that it's a film but in, in a way letting you know and then bringing you in on the joke do you know what I mean and I think that's that's just a mark of like a really classic good escapist pop film writer like Christopher McQuarrie doesn't look like what I thought he would look like. He looks like Aaron Sorkin's lesser brother. Aye. He kind of looks like Freddie Roach too. Aye. Aye, fuck up actually. He does actually look like him. I always kind of thought he would look a bit like Tom Cruise. <laughs> no. I don't know. Right, he wants to be Tom Cruise. Because <laughs> oh, I, always, I always thought he'd be younger as well. What age is he? 50 at least. Really? No, he's probably 60. No, he's yeah, he looks, he looks well. I always thought he was younger for some reason. Yeah, he's been around, boy. I will see. Like, like, I mean, I'm, it's kind of exciting to see where his career's going now because it seems like he's getting, uh, you know, he's being trusted to be a director. So he's kicking up. As opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to just being the screenwriter was for so long. What did you watch this week, Tommy Mickey? Cruise. What did you watch this week? <laughs> <laughs> I watched fucking Beerski. Beerskish. Uh this week I watched a very experimental film. No one. It's a weird one because you, you actually need to get like a special player to play the film on. Just in the pussycats? No, <laughs> no. But you, like you can buy the special player or whatever, or like you can you can get it along with the film. It's a VHS. No, <laughs> but then you have to sit down to watch the film, and you have like it's a video game. I- <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> You're so funny. <laughs> I know this week I played Uncharted 4. Oh, sweet <laughs> Jesus Christ. How do you even watch that film? Colin actually watches games the whole way through. Huh? He doesn't play them really anymore. He just does watch throughs. I know, but I I, well, I do that the, as well. But The stories are getting that good in games. Why the fuck not? They are like fun them rightly. I know, I, I would do that as well. But if it's a game that I want to play, I won't do it until I've played it. Like right. now I'm watching Uncharted 4 on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> what there? Did you not tell me you were watching a film yesterday? Uncharted 4? No. You were watching Saw, were you not? Were you watching? Gilmore Girls? <laughs> no, not Gilmore Girls. You can chat about the Gilmore Girls if you want. <laughs> yeah, fucking better. Was it you who came down to my house when you've got mails on? Aye. <laughs> this is the strangest fucking thing. It's the first time it's been a proper kind of terrestrial TV moment in a long time. Because <laughs> it was like, aye, fuck it, you've got mails. Aye, but I got the pleasure. I enjoy it anyway. 
and then uh, you're all okay. I'm texting. No, I'm not going out tonight, lad. Watching you've got me. And I was watching up Maggie. <laughs> and then you were watching and as think, well. And then Dom says, "I used watching. You've got me as well." <laughs> Everybody was fucking watching. <laughs> but four or five people I never watched that the, the last time. fucking thing. Not predator. Not fucking any. You've got. You've me, got me. Like. And the, the the weirdest thing too was a Saturday night. You know what I mean? It was like a fucking top night for going Saturday night. And it was Saturday night for fucks like all sports land. I'm watching. You've got me. <laughs> <laughs> He's all messy, he's chiller them and like stuff happening. We were having, having a long hair look at ourselves, eh? But no, in, in fairness, I think that's one of the... It's definitely the first time in ages that I've had like a sort of terrestrial moment. Aye. You know what I mean? Probably one of the last two, sadly. Yeah. I reckon we should all get together and what we should put... You've got mail at the phone club. And see how that does. <laughs> I said I'll blow I definitely would. Yeah, it's just like I'll smoke it, like. Get that on, eh? Well, Harry Matt's always a good one. Harry met Sally's up Elder. Any Rob Reiner. Like? Sure, yeah. Rob Reiner's got such a fucking lethal track record, like a phenomenal track record. Mm. You look at like even Musry and Spinal Tap and stuff we got there, like Stand by me. Stand by me, exactly. But what um, tell us about Uncharted then. You sound so enthusiastic <laughs> to hear it. <laughs> tell us about Uncharted then. Oh, Did I, you know watch a fucking film? Oh I love that. Oh I love that. <laughs> no, the the reason I actually wanted to bring it up though is because you don't watch anything <laughs> because I didn't watch anything, but also I know, like I I play some games. I don't play a lot of games, but the the ones that kind of I'm a drawn day is when I hear there's a good story in it, and just the storytelling in games is getting a lot better. And the people that make Uncharted, Naughty Dog, they seem to be at the forefront of doing that because they also did The Last of Us. Which yep. obviously was the big thing about that was that it was an amazing story, and it's just, hang on, that was a good burp, right? <laughs> Classy guy, but um, I know it's just there was there were some moments while I was playing this game, and it's not even in the cutscenes. I mean, there's 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 great cutscenes in the game, and the acting's really great, and it's all motion captured, and it, it looks real and like. Oh, that's great, but it's actually while you're playing the game and storytelling's happening, like when you're driving around in a Jeep or something, then just the characters are talking to each other as you're driving, and then you, you just, there's just a whole relationship builds while you're playing this game, and there's a really weird part in it when Nathan Drake is the main character. Nathan Drake. And his wife, Elena, is mad at him because. He lied to her about going on this trip. I like to see Nick Drake in these situations. <laughs> a wild adventure. Just Nick playing folk songs. But, so so they're, they're kind of having this argument about it in a cutscene. But then it it cuts back into the, the gameplay then. And you're in this Jeep and you're driving. But they're not talking anymore. Oh. And just this kind of sad music starts playing. But I, I'm still controlling the Jeep. So I'm playing the game. But then... There's just kind of weird, awkward relationship moment happening <laughs> while you're playing the game, and it's just it's really mad because I because I was driving to the place where you're supposed to go, and I was like, I actually don't want this to end because this is amazing. It's like you just have this weird, really awkward, weird relationship thing while you're playing a video game. It was mental. First of all, you're getting too attached. Set <laughs> <laughs> it draws you in. I know, but second of all, and because I know you're a big like a flower, have have you cried your own charter for yet? No, uh, it never. I, there was there's a because I've finished it now, so there's a bit towards the end where if what was suggested 
did actually happen, yes. then I probably would have shed a tear. But it didn't, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, I, like I definitely during The Last of Us, I've cried a couple times. I've heard that's fucking heart range and stuff, though. Yeah, the first five minutes is just brutal. Well, not five minutes. It's like, like the first ten minutes up. Only by zombies. Are there zombies in The Last of Us? Well, technically, they're not zombies. They're like infected bullshit. They're zombies. 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 Oh, here, fuck, two seconds. Uh, because you're a gamer and you know these things. Song that I watched yesterday, Tallulah. It's the new Netflix original. Tallulah. It's, um. <laughs> Tallulah, motherfucker. Tallulah. It's Ellen Page and Alison Jenny. But after that, I was reading about Ellen Page. Because Beyond! But I, two souls. Exactly. This is exactly <laughs> what came up by. Um, was she in Space Trek? What? No, no, she was in a, a video game called Beyond Two Souls. Yeah. Way oh, Willem Dafoe. But I was, I was reading about. Ellen Page because I had no bar to Lula I hadn't really seen her do much in a couple of years I thought her career kind of fucking had the schedule she did that one with Julianne Moore last year Page uh, Ellen Page eh? what did you do with Julianne Moore it's it was like based on a true story Ellen Page was Julianne Moore's uh, girlfriend and Julianne Moore was like a police officer right. but she was dying of cancer but because oh, maybe they were married actually but because she was their wife or whatever maybe they weren't technically married her pension wouldn't go to Ellen Page after she died. Oh, because it's not like our next of kin or whatever. Yeah, so it was the whole law case then about... Law her, case. Law case. <laughs> about her uh, trying trying to give her pension to Ellen Page. It's based on true story. I can't even mind what it's called, though. See, because the only reason I was wondering is that I just kind of typed Ellen Page and they, like, fucking... Google, see like what the crack is, we like our IMDb and shit like that there. But when I typed in, you know the way now on Google, like their news items will come up first, you know, if they've been on the news recently or if, if they're yeah. kind of relevant. This thing came up about the game that you just mentioned, we called Between Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. Beyond Two Souls. But it was about how she was contemplating fucking taking legal action because there's a part in the game where you're kind of, basically it's just Ellen Page and fucking like motion capture. Yeah. But there's a part in the game, actually I think there's two scenes where it's just her showering, but it's so gratuitous, like, you know what I mean? But you're in control here, and you can, like, wash her body and stuff, and she was like, that she'd never signed up to, like, this sort of full-on representation of yourself, because it's basically her naked, which she doesn't want, so she's thinking about taking legal action against them, like. Well, that, so she just washed all the pixels, like, really. I know, but I mean, like, it's, it's there's probably some mean, creeps yeah. out there, Fine like, and it's, it's her. Yeah. <laughs> Fine-looking pixels. Uh, no... <laughs> Because that that game was just re-released on PS4. It originally came out in PS3, so it's been all up-res and all is here. And they've changed some stuff about the game. But I'm not 100% sure, but I think this is coming about because that stuff wasn't in the original game or oh, something that's like that. It's it's uh, it's something no, like that. because I'm not 100% sure on the story, but when you start talking about that, that kind of sprung to my head that... Because, like, this this game came out, like, two or three years ago, so just, why would she be only complaining about it now, you know what I mean? I was looking as well, just from, like, the sort of aesthetic. Is it, the f- is it from the makers of Heavy Rain? It is. thought that. David Cage. Heavy Rain's a fine game. But anyway, he- rap, 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 because we're going too much in the games here. Game talk. <laughs> <laughs> is this your new thing? Me and Harry sit there staring at each other every week. You're going to bring us up. Having a clue. He- Heavy Rain's a great game, though, but apparently that Beyond Two Souls one, it wasn't... It wasn't as good because if you played Heavy Rain or seen it, it's it, they try and play it out like it's a film. See, I only played a couple of 
levels of heavy rain down in a friend's house and I think it's the first time where I've ever got the feeling like this is fucking class. It feels like I'm playing in a film. Yeah. Like, I mean, stylistically, it is, well, from what I've seen, obviously I haven't played the whole game, it is fucking phenomenal looking. I, it's I, years old now, like, so I mean, like, they could improve upon that again. I, well, they they re-released that as well on the PS4, it's so it's been up and whatnot. Apparently just people don't really get it. Because well, it's no, he- expect, and you kind of have to. He- he- Heavy Rain was was a big hit, and I can't even mind what you call the actual company, but it's David Cage that's the main guy that makes it. But uh, when they were when they brought Beyond out, then apparently pe- I never actually played Beyond Two Souls, but people didn't like it as much because it was more of people are saying it was too passive. Because no way, it's some stuff in Heavy Rain. It's nearly like an interactive cutscene in a game. Like, just stuff's happening, and you, you, you choose buttons. triangle or circle or whatever. It it, it felt like in Beyond Two Souls that you weren't even really affecting anything. You were just pressing buttons, but nothing, nothing really would have changed anyway, you know what I mean? Yeah. But either way, Ellen Page is not too happy with. Yeah. Because well, all worked up. Actually, funny thing, because we are talking about Naughty Dog and The Last of Us as well, because... The Last of Us came out before Beyond Two Souls, and the kid, Ellie, in The Last of Us, had a very strong resemblance to Ellen Page. Okay, I suppose so. But, but, I mean, have they, have they cast The Last of Us film now? Because that's probably going to be fucking huge. No, there was rumours about uh, Maisie Williams, just... just we should be perfect. Nah, I think she would have like Who were they thinking about for the, the man? Don't know, I don't think there was any rumours about that. The actual guy that did the, <laughs> the actual guy that did the. Yeah, I know. Game. I know. Like he's having a wee, he's having a wee ball himself here. No, but the actual guy yeah, that did. Joel is not talking himself. Animal, I did hate fuck up. But the actual guy that played Joel in The Last of Us, that's the guy. He's he's a really great actor, but he he looks nothing like Joel. But uh, The Last of Us, I think, when it was coming out on the PS4, because they did a remaster of that as well, they put on this live event called The Live of Us. The Live of Us? The Live of Us. <laughs> the Last of Us Live, where they actually got the actors on stage just to act out a few of the scenes in, in yeah. the game. And I was thinking, like, how like how are they going to try and make Troy Baker to, like, look a bit like Joel or something? Because he's, like, blonde and he's not, like, kind of big, as like, as muscly as Joel is. Is he a hottie? Oh yeah, he's fine. Oh yeah, fine looking, fine looking man. man. Fine looking man. But uh, oh, but yeah, just whatever way, because he normally has long hair, but they had it all kind of slicked back and all, and he did have a big beard on, and I, I thought he looked class in it, so I wouldn't mind actually just getting him in, and he doesn't actually look like Joel the character, but he can still pull it off. <laughs> How you're talking about this now? Like you're direct. <laughs> See, we should just get him in. <laughs> no, but I'm just, I'm just saying like. Just because he doesn't look like the video game character, he actually can play the character because it was him. You know what I mean? Has a director been attached to The Last of Us? No, the the last thing I heard about is Neil Druckmann, who was the, the director of the game, was writing the script for the film. I think it would kind of be a Fincher's alley. Well, no, I suppose it kind of going to... Is it like predominantly like zombie sort of survival or is it more about the two characters? It's more about two cards. It, it's you could compare it more to something like the road. Yeah, well, it could be like maybe even like oh, well, maybe it's too similar for John Hulkut, but that sort of aesthetic that you're looking for. It's uh, it's very because it's those two people going on a journey, and the thing is, Ellie's been bit, but she hasn't been turned. So. Ellie's sick. Ellie's sick. So, 
But so they they think there might be a cure in her because she hasn't turned yet. That's that's the whole story. Boom. To summarize on Uncharted Four. Well, yeah, it was Neil Druckmann as well who did Uncharted Four. What did The Last of Us? Buzzy guy. Okay. And uh, no, yeah, it's it's really great. And just there's loads of kind of really sweet moments in there behind killing thousands of people. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the weird thing with Uncharted games that it's it's like a big pulp adventure thing and you're you're you know you're climbing about solving puzzles going into these caves and stuff it's just, you know like tomb raider but you just kill so many people as well and it's never really addressed because the main character nathan drake he's kind of just like really kind of light and funny and he's always cracking jokes and stuff and then he, he never he never really addressed the fact that he's a mass murderer basically <laughs> But he's only killing people because they're trying to kill him. Exactly. It's all he's, self-defense. He's not mental. But yeah, Uncharted 4, it's it's really, it just kind of opened my eyes more to the great storytelling that can happen in games. And I think it's, it's more affecting than films in a way because you're more invested because you're actually part of it. Yeah. And the fact that you're controlling some kind of thing of it... It's just, it makes it more of an immersive kind of emotional experience. There you go. Nice segue on the last hope more games there for a while. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Okay, we shall move into topics. Sean, <laughs> <laughs> you have a topic? I do. Uh, read an article the other day. On she's bragging about it. Oh, I don't know, folks. Like, but uh, we got ourselves a reader. We got ourselves a reader. <laughs> it was on Uproxx. Uh, recently in France, a French court has uh, awarded John Carpenter what was it like five hundred fucking grand this or something? Look best, uh, all the, uh, mm. Now, don't get me wrong. As we all know, we're all fucking big Carpenter fans and stuff like that. But he but has that, got away with fucking daylight robbery here. Ex- explain the whole thing. Thing there. What it was was uh, look, I don't know if look did look best on director they produced. No, he produced and wrote it. Oh no, I think he lockout. He, lockout uh, I think he he got a story by credit, but then some other boys actually wrote the screenplay. Follow it about four or five years ago called Lockout, uh, starring Guy Pierce and like Mikey was just saying, uh, produced and wrote by Luke Besson. And John Carpenter, I don't know if it was himself or his estate or whatever, his lawyers, noticed that there was striking similarities between Lockout and Escape from New York. Imagine that was your fucking job, hey? I know. What a ball Just a wee rat, I know. Just a wee <laughs> rat. Just trying to find the similarities. But John Carpenter, probably because he fucking doesn't really work anymore and looking for an extra coin, he started a court case against Luke Besson and everybody involved with the movie industry thought that this was a, like a mental case they bring up because you know literally every single film that's ever been made in some way has you know homaged or been influenced by yeah. you know previous work and somehow he won the court case and I think that this article on Uproxx was saying that okay it's a shock decision but it sets a dangerous precedent now I know that it's only relevant in France like if it's screened in France you have to get like some sort of payment or some shit like that Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But I just thought it's interesting because, you know, it is such a hard thing to define, you know, or who's influenced what. Because Kurtner himself has fucking said numerous times that, you know, the things that the Rec remake, fucking Assault and Precinct 13 is fucking basically a remake of Rio Bravo. And he says that, you know, all his films are in some way influenced by Westerns. So I was just thinking, like, how, how can you kind of define that, you know what I mean? Or how can you kind of justify that in I many ways? because he because he would jump times, change sets, and, I, they, you know, they, were, they would technically be adaptations, whereas the character was, a, I mean, it, it's, he's a criminal. He's brought on by these guys that he doesn't want to work with. It's also set in the future. Dystopian he future smokes. prison. You know, there's all these kind of... Yes. No, no, that's I'm saying. No, I 100% understand that. And I definitely do get that, you know, lockout is. And it's it's a prison. Yeah, it is a, a fucking, you know, an isolated. And you know, he has to save the president's daughter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm well, not saying a, that. The well, president's daughter's Skiff Melee, isn't it? Yeah. So. No, no, because in, in that article, it was outlining all the similarities. And it was saying, like, oh, like, he was a prisoner brought in and all this here kind of crack. But they say, oh, and he has to save the president slash president's daughter. It's like, are they interchangeable? <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. I'm, I'm not saying. I, a briefcase with just gold light shining out of I totally get. No, hundred percent. Lockett is definitely a rip off of Escape from New York. But I'm just thinking, what do you think about that sort of court case being brought? Do you think it sets like a dangerous precedent for the rest of the industry? Because there's so much stuff that's learned from our films. You know, will you get this sort of thing? I think it's too similar. Like Disturbia was sued for being Rwando. That, that is just Rwando. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but it, they they didn't win, did they? Did they? Did they get did they get damages on that? Steven Spielberg, I think, produced that too. I could be wrong. He I was mad about Shia back in the day. But I just think it's it's it's, it's a I, I don't know. I, th- I think it's just a mind boggling thing. What's it, the thing? I mean, it you is can, weird. You could sue the Point Break could sue the first Fast and Furious because it's Point Break, like yeah, is it, yeah, exactly, it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Or even, or even like in, in, in fucking many ways I mean all the amount of the like sort of the old German expression and stuff and stuff we got there has been sort of well Tom Burton in general you know what I mean He, I mean like he is near enough taking scene for scene like Kevin and Dr. Caligari and Nosferatu and stuff and fair enough they're really old films but without those films he wouldn't even have a fucking style you know what I mean yeah that's kind of informed it's, it's a thing of, of you know we three essays in English like he thought you come up with a good idea but you're like, oh, fuck, I enjoy writing about this here. But you have to, anybody that's come close to that idea, or you more than likely haven't come up with a new idea for, you know, an adaptation yeah. uh, theory. But even though you've never read any of this pish that talks to the same theory, you always have to refer to it. Yep. Yeah. You know? And it's like, mm, come on. You know, so it's it's going to get to that point where, like, anybody will, if, if this case, he's won, hasn't he? He's won it. Aye. So. It's, I mean, they're just going to use this case. There's going to be a lot of interesting cases coming out of this, actually. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, th- th- I think that's what we're trying to get at. It definitely does set, like, a sort of dangerous precedent in a way because if people see 
oh geez, you know, you know, John Carpenter won because of the similarities. I'm sure there's been a lot of filmmakers out there over the years who thought, fuck, that film is just like mine, or that's my idea, just on the slightly different way. They fucking ripped me off. Yeah. But obviously the sort of structure of the mindset wasn't in place. They think, oh, fuck, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd never want a court case on that because you new know, stuff lands some stuff all the time. Mm. I don't know, it's under- I wonder if it will just be a shot in the dark kind of anomaly of a kiss or will it kind of influence other people to kind of go on and, and do others, you know, they, they, they sort of maybe make more of these cases. It <clears throat> When you first said me thing, it does seem really odd that it would even be brought up. I mean, all right, there's similarities, but I, I, I have, Heron, have you seen Lockout? Yep. And while you're watching it, did you think this is exactly like Escape from New York? No. There you go. No, no. <laughs> no, but it's just, well, you know, like, I mean, it, but you, there's probably loads of films that you could you could you know right. make just, the I similar just, kind of bullet points that they're making for lockout and escape from new york i can't remember exactly what i was thinking i think when the the off the off world prison and then the prison's daughter i was just like, oh fuck another one of these that's what i thought mm. that's all i thought i didn't think you know or oh, is a direct fucking ripoff like right. i just, mean because like it it kind of just brings the question like a lot of films that are just set in an isolated place or just one, like even Die Hard, that's just all in one building, you know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. And how many fucking Die Hard ripoffs has there been and stuff? Yeah. You know, that's that's exactly what it said in the article too. Oh, I mean, like, I, th- I think it said oh, in the I article. Thought it, I thought it was been original. It was plagiarizing. <laughs> no, but was it, not, was it not in the article? They said, you know, is, is John McTiernan going to get his back up now anytime he sees a film being marketed as Die Hard with X, you know what uh, I mean, or Die Hard with that. Uh, they threw Star Wars in there as well for, yeah. I can't even mind the, the Japanese one. It's strange because... <laughs> I, I, even an entourage, Ari Gold uses those kinds of things all the time. He's all, come on Vince, why don't you make this X movie? And he's all, no, I want to make a fucking on page. So, come on Vince, it's fucking Die Hard in Disneyland. Which is Beverly Hills Cop 3. It's strange because you, you sort of ask yourself in with this whole court case, where does it kind of lead the, when it comes to sort of genre classification and stuff like that because if you look at it say say a thriller genre or something not even like, actually perfectly because it's more sort of focused say heist films that's like fucking say the the bank job because that was a pretty good heist film getting sued by Quentin Tarantino who made Reservoir Dogs or by the fucking Michael Rafifi because they all involve a bank heist and they all involve yeah. like you know getting a squad together stuff like that there which it, it's similar but it's just a genre convention you know what I mean yeah. now fair enough the ones in Lockup might have been a wee bit more specific <laughs> I think that the I mean, I, I do see that, I mean, there are, they could have used a president's daughter, president's daughter and a prison again, do you know what I mean? That's, that's very close, like, and it's future. I'd say, I don't know, I mean, I would like, to, I'd like to read the, the court document to see what yeah. exactly swung it, like, mm. you know? I totally had something to say. <laughs> <laughs> Take a break, I'm sure you get it. Now you can just cut on this. No, yeah, it was... No, when I was reading the thing as well, I don't know, for some reason, it just... It kind of seemed more like a personal thing. Like, does John Carpenter not, like, look dishonored on John Carpenter's <laughs> skint. Mm. That's just personal about it, though. Oh, really? <laughs> I think that's, that is the case. And I've kind of noticed recently, I mean... You won't say Fond is next album. Yeah. Yeah, Law Seems 3. But, um, I don't know, don't get me wrong. Jesus Christ, I mean, obviously... Massively influential and love the guy, but recently it seems that I don't know if he's trying to make a name for himself again because he's been in the news. Considering that he was fucking not in hiding, but considering that he, he wasn't seen whatsoever for about fifteen years, in the past three or four months he's been involved in fucking so many storylines in regards to film. Fair enough, he's making the comeback, 
in regards to producing the reboot of Halloween. Uh-huh. So he's actually going to be working again. Fucking I know he's he's absolutely he's going to be he's going to be rebooting that. But then even recently, he, he made some fucking weird comments about how the Walking Dead is a complete rip off of Night of the Living Dead and it's like well fucking duh curbs you know what I mean it's every zombies. I'm like Night of the Living Dead literally invented the fucking zombie genre you know what I mean hey fucking Romero will be aye Romero will be fucking <laughs> saying Robert Kirkman now for fuck's but I didn't get because I mean no but it'll, it, it'll be saying every, everyone that's ever made a zombie film Tarantino's gonna be Tarantino's gonna get he's gonna be fucked he's gonna be fucking hammered exactly you wouldn't have you wouldn't have Reservoir Dogs which straight time doesn't happen film you wouldn't have <laughs> you wouldn't have Kill Bull without Hard to Kill Steven Seagal <laughs> <laughs> and many other like it you know I know because uh, when Shan sent me the article as well I was watching Stranger Things and that show wouldn't exist if you without couldn't without the 80s without John Carpenter stuff it plays so much indie like John Carpenter stuff yeah. like Spielberg stuff yeah. and Stephen King and stuff like that. Like, really blatant stuff in Stranger Things of like the thing poster being in the background and stuff like that or yeah. they talk about Michael Myers and all that crick you wouldn't have you know Jackie Brown without the book no that's different <laughs> but no I mean, you're right you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have Jackie Brown without fucking black exploitation. you know what I mean so it's like you can't really I don't know I, I just don't understand the quirkies I do think Iron, as well you wouldn't have Iron Man without fucking the Rocketeer or perhaps you wouldn't have the Rocketeer without the Iron Man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they were all comics beforehand yeah. yeah see this is where we <laughs> it wouldn't be great litigators now I'd have no. to say like, <laughs> arg- start arguing against yourself <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know oh, oh, fuck, put me in the stand no I'll stand out put me in the stand no fuck it <laughs> I think why I took a Just wee bit more interest in it too I think why I took a wee bit more interest as well is because Carpenter was involved but I have just noticed recently over the past couple of months I don't know for me I've always had this opinion or sort of view him as being this kind of really cool old guy who just you know drinks a couple of cans he's had a, you know, a great career but a, but a wobble in the fucking late 90s and he's just happy now he kind of rests in his fortune and rests with his legacy but recently anything he's been on he's kind of come across as like acting like a butter old man I mean like especially with that Walking Dead comment and then even starting his court case against Besson I don't know I'm not sure if he is just really skint and trying to get a bit of money and maybe doing more interviews to try and get a bit of cash in see there's things like they wanted to make Halloween he was involved in Halloween 1 2 he he, was he involved in 3 produced 3 produced 3 and then four, I get nothing to do with. He's had nothing to do with since four now. Aye, and then I, I could give us blessing, Rob Zombie. Aye, they reboot it, but he had nothing to do with. Aye, because I think they were like, so what do you feel about all these reboots and all, and people making Halloween four and all, and I think he just turned around and said, uh, well, I mean, what's the big deal? Like, somebody rings me up and uh, wants to adapt something I've written and says, here's forty thousand dollars. Sweet. So it's like. There's times, it depends, I, I feel like I would say no, depending on what it was. Yep. You know, if you made like a genre-defining thing, and then, you know, 15 years after it, somebody's just remaking it. Yeah, you don't have it tarnished. I just feel... Especially if they're doing like a shot-for-shot shot one, and not put their own spin that like. A thing that's starting to happen now as well, is that, you know, you search for a film, and all you can find is the remake. Yep. So the remake is taking the mantle of the original. Yeah. You have to talk to somebody that knows something about film and go, that's actually, that's actually a remake. Mm. They're all, no, sure, it's just, there's, there's no remake, there's a fucking remake. Yeah. And you have to go search for it, unless you know about that stuff. You're taking, I don't know, you're taking Annie with Jamie Foxx as the original Annie. Yeah. <laughs> or you're taking, you I know, know that, that, it was in some they're, they're film or something. The place, these films, it, it's a, I don't know, I've been thinking about it, I still haven't quite articulated what I think about that yet, but. 
it's it's like rewriting history with shader films. Yeah, I think it's a dangerous thing as well in that, like you're saying, films are getting remade so quickly now from the original. I mean, like you know, you could have a film that was released maybe like fifteen years ago, and then it's been yeah, remade. Spider Man's like, a bit different, though. or like uh, <laughs> say the Spider Man one, but it's weird. Because <laughs> no, because it's know. it's not remaking it; it's rebooting that character rebooting rather than character, remaking the same film. But like you're saying, like I mean, ten years in the in the sort of categorization, you're saying that these really good films who maybe not as many people have seen are being replaced by like a sort of lesser rehash them. Yeah. And that is dangerous like because maybe it's that people don't want to go and watch older films if you know there's a sort people of casual viewer. People don't want to watch older films. I, I put my litmus test to my sister who watches E-Channel. Six years older than me. <laughs> should know better. But says go and put on the Kardashians and I'm all no. And me and my brother locked up with a password. And we don't actually know what the password is, so we can't even unlock it. <laughs> like can, can you just lock a channel? You can lock a channel. Like. Dirty channels. But then we, we, we locked it, and then we just went like out there and just typed four <laughs> random things. So we, you, you can never watch the channel in our house. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And uh, I was put to her. I was just, oh, it's class film from 1980. And I was just, oh, 1980. And I'm like, what? This is like, fuck off. Just don't tell her the year. Yeah. <laughs> so this came out last year. It's old, isn't it? You're all... Aye, and why? Just because it's new doesn't mean it's fucking good, like. And people are getting caught out by that, that specifically. Uh, yeah. And this is why this fucking shit happens. There's a really poor film. Uh, well, obviously it's based on the book, Same Pig, How Do You Lose Friends and Alienate People. Uh. And it's it's a piece of pish film, but one line that always stuck out for me, and it, it's it's really well observed, is somebody's talking about Con Air and how that they're, they're sort of being hipsterish and ironic and saying, oh, you know, it's the greatest film ever made. I think it actually might be Simon Pig's character. But then someone calls him and they start bringing up like this film that's just been released and he says what a lot of people, especially a lot of people who work in the industry right now don't realise is that film doesn't start in 1990 with Quentin Tarantino. You know, why a lot of people seem to think that films have only been about for fucking 30 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not They don't think that but they don't really give a fuck about everything that went before that and yeah. informed that's slow or that's everything that's been made since. I. Not all the characters sound exactly the same despite having different skin colours. <laughs> I know because... Just when you're on about like people only think of the remake and stuff, I can't even mind what film it was in, but it was something that an older character mentioned, Mr. Miyagi, and they're all who? And it's like, they like a kid, and they're like, Oh, the karate kid, and it's like, Oh, Jackie Chan, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. It's like they don't even know that it's a remake, and then this is starting to piss me off. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kick off on these days. <laughs> <laughs> Lethal Weapon, the TV series, I can get they fuck as well. I think it's going to be good. Fucking watch. <laughs> no, we are wrong. It fucking. Me and me, I actually watched Lethal Weapon the other night. Aye. Aye. We were fucking over Your favorite. How many times do you reckon that you watch Lethal Weapon a year? Uh, I don't know. I don't know a year because I hadn't seen it for ages. But I think it's twice this year already. <laughs> That's not bad, and, actually. And we've still got a few months left, not thank <laughs> There's still four months. There shall be a thrice. <laughs> but it was just because, for some reason, I always thought that he didn't like Lethal Weapon or he didn't like Lighthearts And then we're flicking through. It's my family rough for years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just didn't. I think he maybe thought that Mel Gibson was just too mad on it or something. You know, like an old fucking head, old way of looking at it. Like that. And then we're flicking through, and then, like, one of the choices was November, man, with Pierce Brosnan, because we fell asleep watching we that. Started, but, that started out not so bad, though. Yeah, it was all right. It was the fucking Johnny Utah from the New Point Break. Was <laughs> That's all. right, though. But uh, anyway, and then fucking about, no, and I was sort of going, this is going to be all right. It's going to get us through, you know, he'll probably get a bit of enjoyment out of it, so that's, you know, that kind of thing. And then 
flicking about then and all and I was just going through action and things like this here and all and it's just oh fuck <laughs> like the weapon hey it's going through there's all there's all them when's the last time you seen it he's all oh fuck it's years now there's all do you remember much about it and he's all just nah just that Mel Gibson was my head or something I guess here and all and then as all I watch it and he's all as all it's amazing like it's one of my favourite films he's all I fuck all stick out on <laughs> and I was all yes and thus a filler some bomb was cemented <laughs> 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 but it was just you know, he, he can sense when films were coming to an end too he knows the beats and all and that kind of thing too and then he was just like he was sort of laughing and he was like oh, fuck that song show hell not he song fucking show and, uh, I, I can say, picture that sitting there loving it too uh, he's like oh is that because it's, it's a part where they're driving out that desert he's all does he get a fucking rifle or something? No, yeah, it's just all eyes. But to help with the car and he's like alright happy days orange fucking male pops out of the car Takes a sprint with a fucking rifle. I win. <laughs> <laughs> 80s hair flopping. Hey, eight or ten guys couldn't have made them shots. Like, uh. <laughs> but actually, do you notice things? I mean, it's obviously it's, it's staring you right in the face, but one thing about Lethal Weapon, I'll wrap it up quickly, but that was Louse. That's where, that's where Mel Gibson, when he first chats the Raj, he says, uh, back in Louse when I was 19, I shot a guy from like a thousand and a half meters out in high wind and he says there's maybe this and ten guys in the world could have made that shot it was the only thing I was ever good at and then it's the first time I realised that there's a reference to Louis in it so Boosie has obviously heard him that means uh, that government of Louis can sue lethal weapon like <laughs> according to Carpenter's <laughs> mantra uh, <laughs> but it means that Boosie knows him and Boosie's heard about it. Riggs knows about Shadow Company because he's all uh, he's all around into some new Shadow Company pussies and Saigon about sixty nine, and then, but there is a reference to that Gary Boosie, you know, they were in Louis at the same time or something like that there. So as soon as fucking because obviously Riggs is meant to be dead, as soon as boys start getting picked off and they can't see him and it's big flat desert, Boosie's just all Riggs. Oh he back. <laughs> oh he back. <laughs> I just, I just love that when he's like, oh, damn, it's Riggs. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, fuck, I know the reputation. Like, like, the reputation. Riggs has on me. Fuck, I love that <laughs> But, um, to go back to kind of the whole Johnny Carps thing of, like, plagiarism and stuff, it's, uh, when I was at uni, one of my classes was script writing. And you, but do you think a John Carpenter might have a lawsuit up against you? Now? <laughs> Did you reference one of your one of his films and yours? Yeah. <laughs> no. Carpenter's a lawsuit by five texts that I sent you the other day. But uh, no, they they told us in the first class that literally there's only like six or seven storylines. Yeah, aye, and that's a hero's journey yeah. too. Aye. Aye. Oh, where is it? We could have played the the long forgotten fucking the hero's journey theme I'm which not, is still personally my favorite theme of the whole podcast i'm not trying to find that on my phone <laughs> cracking cracking chin uh, we should do right we should do just they start next week we should do lockout and hero's journey just to see how summer it really is yeah mm. yeah definitely and as well we should sure. just bring hero's journey back just as a week kind of homage to earlier episodes oh, we might how many times have we do it like early, two times the homage to earlier things <laughs> <laughs> start a lawsuit against ourselves then <laughs> <laughs> There's scruffs that's a lawsuit against us. We homage three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> One times or sampler. Who's the managers are getting quick and quick? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm only me whispering, like, you know. <laughs> but yeah, 
yeah. Uh, all I was saying is that there's only like six or seven storylines, mm. and the way it differs then is like the situation they're put in, the the characters that you bring in, and you know. So there's always going to be similarities between certain films, mm. and it's it's just like, all right, they're they're both prisoners, but how many films has a fucking prisoner in it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Alright, it's a dystopian future. How many yeah, fucking dystopian futures, you mean? Yeah, exactly. I just think there's too they just tick too many boxes. There's probably a thing of going right. A couple of these things. If you get four, if you get four out of aye, five of them, if you get five or above, it's it should be called a direct remake, or it should be inspired by. If you're getting nothing, because <laughs> I mean, so you, you are you if it was are me, you I on, wouldn't be fucking bored. Are I you on Carp's side in this? Do you think? I can see where he's coming from, but I, I personally, if it was me, I wouldn't be bothered to go and do it. It might anger me, and I might say something on a hang going, that's just a fucking clean up off of Safe New York. Like, I might say it, but I wouldn't fucking sue them. Like, it's a good film, like, but, like I think yeah. it's cool. And it's a, just a genre film, like, yeah, that's I'm, say, that's I'm saying that. Like, that's, I don't understand. I think if it is like a completely original piece of work that maybe hasn't been done before and it's dropped off, but Escape from New York and Lockout, like Heron just said, are complete genre pieces like and genre pieces are genre pieces because they fall into the category of having certain mm. tropes you know what I mean yeah and so it's it's a weird it's a weird lawsuit I can kind of understand why he done it and maybe can of understand how he won but I still find it baffling that he did one you know what I mean it's weird like a few wee backhanders a few wee back a few wee sneaky fivers a few wee <laughs> sneaky ten euros for exchange John Carpenter's there. playing at the judge's fucking daughter's birthday <laughs> a couple of weeks it's that thing too. Remember, I was saying years ago about uh, when they were all film school. I think it was John Milius, uh Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and mm. Coppola always wanted to make Heart of Darkness, the Joseph Conrad book, which yeah. eventually became Apocalypse Now. Mm. Like when they were trying to make Apocalypse Now originally, they wanted George Lucas to direct it. I think he was finishing off THX or whatever, and then it's THX. Yeah, I And then. He's finishing that off, and then I think he went on to do Star Wars, which he said was his version of an adaptation of Heart of Darkness. In yeah. The same way. So, like, the rebels are the Vietnamese and the Empire's America, if you kind of think about it in that terms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it's was adapted from the same source material, like, but I mean, it's sort of, I don't know, it's very hard to say, like, really. There's yeah. nothing fucking beyond us on, really. But I think maybe with this script because it's definitely a studio film you know or actually it's, it's sort of a low budget sci-fi isn't it like Lockout aye aye well I mean like I think usually with best on stuff it's usually co-produced with like a stack of different I wouldn't know the budget of like Colin Farrell's till Recall or something nah no, definitely nah. not no it was like kind of like the budget of Dread or something wasn't it? yeah probably aye cause best on he's never really made big huge films like I mean even the most recent one he directed, Lucy, like that's it's, a, one of his biggest, uh, it's a relatively small budget though compared to big blockbusters. Like, yeah. it just has a big star in that's it. It's his biggest, it's probably Fifth Elm was his biggest, isn't it? Uh, well, I'd say budget wise anyway, but I had to be because I'm just assuming because of how it looks and because of like the sort of narrative because yeah. it's, it's obviously kind a safe thing. kind of lo fi elements there too, though. But, does, uh, uh, but I mean, it's double cost a lot. But Chan's say. right in saying that he, he gets a lot of co producing stuff like from. Different countries and yeah. all yeah. they all—it's not just all Hollywood, like. Because right. if you, because it was a thing, it was I—I I can't even mind what podcast I heard it on, but 
if you look in the sea, there's a lot of different people in it from uh, from different, different nationalities, and you can guarantee they're big in that country. You know what yeah. I mean? They they get foreign audiences. They want to go see it as well. I think that's sort of the goal we in sort of mainland European cinema anyway, because obviously. Hollywood and American cinema, they've got the money to produce big films if they want. They, even the UK, I mean, like the BFA took a couple of knocks and stuff it gets, uh, or sorry, the British film industry took some knocks here a few years back, but it's it's always kind of came back. It's always been resurgent and they have enough money to produce their own stuff, but I have noticed that with mainland stuff, it usually is, not usually, but a lot of times it's it's a couple of countries sort of joining together because even um, Two Days, One Night that I was yeah. chatting about earlier on, that was a co-production. That was what Ford. the Harrison Ford one. I yeah, that was a co-production between uh, Belgium, France, and Italy. So mm. that was all different money from all different countries coming in just to get that made. And I think yeah. they they pull up about six million for it. Mm. I don't know uh, what it cost. Like, six I think million. I think the seventies kind of ended. Um, one production company doing one doing a film mm. because I think it just it makes more sense to invest in interest of three or four. Like even like Sherlock Holmes, I think that's like. Warner Brothers, uh, it's legacy as well, and I think there's I think there's three or four on the start of that. I believe even the most recent Mission Impossible, like the the production kind of what do you call them? Just the production credits at the start where everybody's wee logo and all comes in. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's, there's about five or six of there, and some of them are rare. like there's just one China so something. Or something. Like, <laughs> they don't do what Bond does and just go shuts everything down. Yeah. They actually work with the people and they probably get uh, through from there. That's that's a very I would say it's a very Tom Cruise way to do stuff uh, where you I, employ people there. Like, yeah, Bond as well as a sort of anomaly because it is Bond and because it's it's got such like a sort of history and a gravitas that they they can't get carte blanche with their fucking budgets like when they need to. You know what I mean? They can go and be sprawling and take people all across the world, but. I don't know, I think when it comes down to two, like you were saying, it just boils down to a simple fact of money, you know what I mean? I mean, would a company rather put up the 100% of the budget or maybe put forward 25% and reap a lot of fucking profit, but then put maybe the 75% that they would have put onto that one project and the other projects? Mm. So basically you're kind of... Yeah, you're splitting the load. You're splitting the load, like, you know what I mean? And possibly seeing more profits from it because instead of having one project, you have five. But you don't have complete control of five of them. Plus, also from like a creative standpoint, it might be better for the director if it's split in between a few yeah. places, so they're not as invested in it that it has to make money. And as it, well, it could it could kind of double back on you that you have five people telling you what to do rather than just one person. Yeah. But if they're not if they're not putting up as much money and they don't have as much invested interest, because I think yeah. it was uh, mine Seth Rogen talking about one time when they made the Green Hornet. And that was supposed to be like a superhero comedy film, yeah. and they had a big budget, and it didn't turn out very well. And he said that they felt the pressure of having that amount of money on their shoulders, basically. Yeah. And so now he's sticking to making lower budget comedy films because they can basically do whatever the fuck they want, yeah. and they they can pretty much guarantee that people will go see it because they don't need as many people to go see it. They can they can guarantee a core audience. Mm-hmm. Rather than the many people you need to go see to make back a hundred million or whatever. Yeah, fair point too. Though. It does make sense. What do yeah. you call that one that Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds run the the kind of Men in Black? Uh, R.I.P.D. I try to watch that one night. Nicely, nicely there, sir. <laughs> uh, it's only it's it's, it's only like eighty minutes long, and I could not sh- fucking get uh, through it. Shite, it's I like fuck me. Just get a good screenwriter. That's it. Yeah. Just leave me alone. 
it's like guarantee that that was never originally supposed to be 80 minutes long I guarantee Definitely. so much of that was chat because that was a complete train wreck like it really was I mean, like Ryan Reynolds and Jeff Bridges, you think at least they could be... It's the dude in Deadpool, for ca- fuck's sake. Charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, no. Because <laughs> like, you would think, as an easy chemistry and two laid-back, sort of naturally funny actors, that'd be a dream. They write from like, the dialogue and they're enough right itself in many ways, but... Or even they could make bad dialogue look good. But I think it was so bad, and the story was so bad, that it just fucking fell to pieces. Like. Yeah. Also based on a comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was shit, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, anything else to say on plagiarism? Nah. Was that nah. what we're talking about? We're kind of talking about. Nah, I went off, man. <laughs> I don't know. I think that you could, like a lot of our topics, you could sit here and argue about it all night or kind of discuss it all night and never come to uh, a true heat's, fucking heat's a answer. Fucking perfect, man. Like, hmm? you know, heat, heat's a really good example, actually, of, of, of that happening. Just, you just list the amount of films. Where it's two characters on either side of the law putting against each other. Yeah. Full time killer, point break, fast and furious, heat, fucking stacks. No way. Should your man Johnny too, that Japanese director, started to take the piss out of the whole genre. Mm. You know, at the end of heat, when De Niro's driving through the tunnel, that's like his epiphany that he can't change who he is. Mm. I mean, that's a sort of a very sophisticated way of doing it, but I mean, it's, it's always written in that uh, one of the characters has an inherent weakness. So his inherent weakness was, um, it is kind of what would you say? He just wants everyone to be perfect. What that yeah. thing do you have with the fucking cops? What do you call it? Oh, OCD. OCD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a wee bit about that, where where he has a choice to leave and nobody's going to get away, or he can go back and kill Wangro and leave perfectly, and that's the choice he makes. Yeah, that's his weakness. Like that's his sort of hero's weakness or whatever. And like full time killer, they just really turn it up really high so it's like fucking I mean well point break Buddy's weakness is what he wanted he wanted to catch the 50 year storm you know and he wants the ultimate ride that's what he said uh-huh. and full time killer it was one of the characters was epileptic so the last gunfight happens in a fireworks factory yeah and then there was another one the similar where one of the characters is like allergic or, or he has some sort of affliction to the colour white so the last shootout happens in a milk factory yeah you know, so <laughs> that's bad detective it's a bad detective. Bad detective. Aye. And then you've got the one, like you were saying about Johnny Toe with the weaknesses. Aye. There's the detective who has uh, body image. It's great because he basically just does absurdist fucking thrillers where he's kind of, it's a nod and a wink at the genre, but Aye. he's got one where the main detective has like uh, body image issues. So he's like actually kind of like big and slovenly, but when he sees himself in the mirror, he's like wearing this really unbelievably unrealistic looking muscle suit. But it's supposed to be played off as a, as it's real. You've not seen that one though. No? No, no. It's ridiculous. Like, but it's, I mean, like it's it's supposed to be ridiculous. Yeah. It's good though. But uh, I mean, in saying that though, that the, the, the formulas are so clear. I wonder now if like fucking whoever came up with the first one of those, because there's like there's at least there's tons of them. Like, yeah. I wonder who's gonna say, oh, what if Michael Mann's gonna be all I fuck and Johnny Toe fuck I stole that idea off me, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> Because the second one, as we were saying earlier, it's just another genre device, like. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll go into recommendations. I'm going to continue on with my theme of talking about games. I'm going to recommend a very short game. And it can be played on pretty much any computer. So if you have a computer, you can play this game. It's called Gone Home. 
I played it there recently on PlayStation Four, but you can play it on PC as well. Sorry, well, no, just uh, just the penny dropped. I've heard about this game. It sounds creepy as fuck. <laughs> Continue. Now the it's 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 a very short game. You could you could finish it in like an hour hour or two. It's it's basically you play this character, but it's all in first person, so you never actually see the character you're playing. But she's returning home from a European trip. She's been away for months. And she's coming home and she gets to her man and dad's house and just nobody's there. And it's this big, massive, just empty house. So you, the whole game is just you walking around and picking up like letters and listening to like phone messages and stuff. And just you're trying to work out what happened and why no one's there, basically. It's it's super, it's, it is super creepy and it, it plays with just the creepiness of an empty house and it kind of messes around with what you expect to happen in that kind of situation so it's it's playing with like horror tropes and stuff like that and the thing i really liked about it is if you like if you actually knew how to finish the game you could finish the game in five minutes aye aye that's actually pretty interesting but it not it'll probably take you about an hour or so to get through it because you're just going about and reading letters or just looking at like uh sorry you're you're looking at like report cards and stuff, and every so often when you pick up an object, you you hear a diary entry from your sister's diary. So you get a bit of voiceover telling you some more, some more of the story, and it's just this kind of environmental storytelling that that that's what the whole game's about, and it's just it's really well done. And there's obviously a path that they're trying to lead you on, but as well you can discover anything in any order. And it's just really well done that, like, it just put me in that situation, and you actually because you literally have no idea what has, what's happened, mm-hmm. and you're you're discovering these things about her dad and her ma and her sister. You and, are becoming the character, really. Like, yeah, it's. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's a it's an, it's an amazing story that's told. It's and, really immersive too. Yeah, because you don't have a clue what's what's happening. Like. I know exactly. Exa- like you're fi- you're feeling all, this, and there's like a thunderstorm. So anytime you hear like a creak or a th- you're like you're shitting yourself the whole way through because you you have no idea what's happened. Yeah. Like you could open up a fucking door and then your entire family just lying dead, and then there's a murder in the house. Or something. You, know, you don't know what's happening. <laughs> I no, I'm not trying to say ignorant, but you know yourself, I'm not a big gamer, but it was massively interested in that. So I don't want you to spoil it for people. But straight after this podcast, I want you to tell me what happens because <laughs> I think also it is that is right. We're talking about like. Video game and film, you know, kind of adaptations and crossovers. Yeah. That is ripe there for like a fucking crack and thriller, or maybe even like a wee sort of horror one. Mm. So simple, dude. It's, it actually the but, way you've, the way you've described it, it sounds like a minimalist Resident Evil one. You know, like the big mansion. Yeah, yeah. Everyone about the house. It sounds class, in fairness. I know it's 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 really cool, and it's just even if people aren't into games, it's not very gamey. You're literally just walking about and reading stuff. Mm. And there, well, there's some stuff like you need to like you find a key which opens up like a locked door, and so you get into that area then and stuff like that. There's there's kind of small game. Do you mind that now, <laughs> No, yeah. but it's like far away where he finds the fucking down that basement. Just it's all paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just it's really interesting that you genuinely just discover this family and you just you you feel like you know them by the end of it and mm. you're emotionally involved at that stage and it's just it's really cool nice one Her- uh, heronino i uh, know i watched uh 
or else I I'll recommend uh, uh, Visconti's uh, Death in Venice. Uh, we studied it at uh, yeah. college, uh, but uh, <clears throat> no, it's, it's a fucking class film. I rewatched it there recently. Um, it's about uh, a composer who's kind of losing his way, or he thinks he's lost his grip on on his his voice or whatever, and so he goes to Venice. They fucking it all blows over just yeah no it doesn't it's not quite like that but uh and i think that the film i mean uh, and it's tale the film is about death and it's about but it's about about death literally and figuratively i mean it, it's um i think it's, it, it's almost like it's his death as a person or his personality but for a physical I, death exactly and, and and it's it's like there, there's a sort of a line at the start and all it's just like I think it's like Venice is being destroyed by pestilence or something like this here mm-hmm. people are being infected by a disease and all and they start to wear makeup and stuff and all and it starts to get quite stark and stuff and it, it's kind of saying like you know you might already be dead or on your way to dead but if you if you play like you're alive then you, you kind of mumble through which is yeah. which is a very strong fucking metaphor like you know your soul might have died years ago but you keep the facade of love and going well, just that's what you do, you know what I mean? And then there's a young boy in it and it, it becomes a fascination. Uh, and people say it's a homoerotic. I mean, it could be interpreted in many ways, but he just becomes sort of taken by, by this boy and starts to sort of follow him and stuff because the boy essentially represents purity, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, in the film. And I suppose it's the it's it's him trying to get back to that, and that's why it's a very deliberate and elaborate chase scene of him trying to get back yeah. to some sort of you know basic you know form of himself or whatever, because that's what he's trying to find in his art, because he feels like that part of himself has died. He's been corrupted in many ways, just that. Exactly, and uh, and obviously Venice, a fucking beautiful location, the music's class, and it's uh, it's it's a serious watch. I mean, if you like the kind of shooting. And the colors of something like Once Upon a Time in America, or um, the, um, pr- the one the price one time regained. That's amazing, Raw Ruiz. Aye, that's ninety nine actually. Yeah, it's actually aye, very very. I mean, because in Venice seventy one. Aye, yeah, I mean, but aye, hundred percent agree. Basically, just classic, really well made, and you would almost say intellectual cinema that does have a big enough scale and budget because Devon Venice doesn't looks fucking outstanding. Mm. It looks outstanding. I've always loved the parallel too about, I think in Bruges, owes a big debt not only to, uh, Jesus Christ, what do you call it? Not only to Don't Look Now, uh, but also Death in Venice. Uh, Venice got a fucking wild touch in the seventies for kind of surrealist <laughs> delves under the psyche. Definitely but uh, like your roads are water, so it was just perfect for it. Like yeah, but I don't know. I've always thought that in Bruges was uh, Death in Venice a big debt as well. Kind of making the place or making the setting almost sort of surrealist too in a way. Uh, almost purgatorial. Aye, you know, purgatory. Do you exactly. think they should assume McDonald's? Aye, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> fucking, he said, well, Viscounty's a stitch. You get on it now and fucking get wrapped under McDonald's. Mm. But the other one too is the, the Leopard. That's probably Viscounty's more, the, the uh, even more famous film. That's one of the nicest looking films I've ever seen. That's about four hours more. That's stuff like, you know, it even reminded me of Elements of Fitzgerald one too. Like, yeah. when Werner Herschel does these big kind of films like too. But I, no, seriously, I would recommend it's a serious film with a really big effect. I mean, I don't want to watch it, you know. It's sad as well because I think that those big, lush 
European epics I cannot think of it personally mm. you know I mean like stuff like The Leopard and Death in Venice or even like Time Regain I mean it's hard to see a film like that now even though that's only 17 years ago like mm. but uh, no it's a sweet film mm. uh, my one is All the President's Men 1976 it's uh, Alan J. Pakula obviously we've I think we've chatted about All, All President's Men a couple of times on the podcast and we talked about Clute which you love, you love that film title. Detective Clue. And we've talked about the Parallax View, so obviously that's the Spicola's Paranoia trilogy. But the All Presidents, man, cracking film. I don't know, I'm just kind of a sucker for films that are, are set in news offices too, because I think, I don't know, it's almost like, I'm saying this, not like a time capsule, because I they're still news offices, but they're they're becoming you know less and less relevant with the internet and stuff like that, but stuff like Zodiac and even The Paper, I, I love that. You know what I mean? I, I love sort of, sort of, and even obviously Spotlight, you know, Delvin and the... Mm that sort of profession that used to mean a great deal you know before the dawn of fucking you know paparazzis and stuff like heat and all that you know where being a journalist could be like a real integral profession and they could like change the world in many ways and I mean these fucking these two journalists brought down the fucking present day America like and uncovered all this ridiculously deep seated corruption that's crazy it's just two normal fucking Jews who work for a paper where everybody can attack down a government really it's uh, excellent and probably just because I'm really interested in Watergate yeah. But I've always loved about All Presidents Men that so many things, so many films that are indebted it in, in like recent years. You know, like The Informant, you know, like Mr. X and JFK and stuff like that. Mm. You know, like obviously Deep Throat and, and All Presidents Men. And, and Deep Throat. And Deep Throat, I <laughs> <laughs> But then... Uh, is, he, is, is there a character in Metal Gear Solid called Deep Throat? Ah, there isn't there. Isn't there in the, st- the first one? Are you sure? No, I don't know. I'm the, not sure. The robot with a samurai sword? No, not the robot, but the... Again, the suit with Samurai Sword. Is he not called Deep Throat in the first Metal Gear? Is that not... I, I can't remember. Because I... Don't mind. There is, there is definitely Deep Throat. I know, I think you're right. But then not only are obviously Hoffman and Redford are absolutely brilliant. You know, two of the finest actors of their generation are writing by obviously William Goldman, whose book you lent me, mm-hmm. is excellent. And then just... I don't think that Office Space has ever looked as beautiful as what it did in that film. <laughs> Do you know what's crazy? They recreated that whole office because the actual Washington Post wouldn't give them access to the office, and most of the budget went on recreating that office in the studio space, like redeveloping everything for it. But um, and another one, it's what do you call him? Uh, DP of the Godfather. What do you call him? Gordon Mullis. Yeah, That's Gordon Mullis. Mullis saying, I mean, like only he could make fucking big, highly lit, almost cafeteria-looking rooms with stacks of whites and bits of paper lying about look nice, mm. but they does it. And he it's uses ca- a lot of polar, or uh, a lot of spot the opera in it too. A lot of wides and then slow zooms as well and this stuff. And it's strange as well because the golf is kind of famous for being very, very dark and this is very, very bright. But uh, not cracking fun. I recommend it to anybody. Yeah, there, yeah, there is a character called Deep Throat, but <laughs> I was, I was getting confused because there's, he's also called Gray Fox. Oh, okay. Ah, but that's Randall Higgins' old name. Gray Fox. Mm. Was it? I? What's his hotmail name? Man? That's probably why. Wrap it up, Mac. Hang on. I've been messaged. Who's this, anyway? Do y'all know about this? Do you want me to do it? Just... Go ahead. Uh, oh. Nah. <laughs> go on. I can't remember all that shit. Go on. I can't remember get, all that bullshit. Give it a go. Give it a go. Come on. All right, folks, we'll wrap it up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do an impression of me. <laughs> do it the way Heron would do it. Uh, all right folks we'll wrap it up there 
If you have any comments, uh, comment on the Facebook Let's Talk More Movies podcast. Podcast at no, it's just Let's Talk. Uh, fa- Facebook dot com forward slash Let's Talk Movies. Let's Talk Movies. Let's Talk More Movies. Put him on the other fucking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Let's Talk More Movies. Podcast. If you have any fucking messages or <laughs> if you want to get in touch, uh, it's Let's Talk More Movies at gmail dot com. It is. And there's a Twitter as well. There is a Twitter at Talk More Movies. Uh, if you want to tweet us anything or retweet anything that we tweet. Oh, uh, actually, the the last episode's tweet got liked by... Do, do you know the actor in Jurassic World what falls into the the Velociraptor cage and Chris Pratt is the only one to save him? Aye. He liked our last episode. Nice one. Lethal. Because we were talking about Jurassic Park. I, uh, that was one of the hashtags, and then he liked it. Oh, nice one. Nice one. Oh, there you go. See, rubbing shoulders with the elite. So, uh, yeah. Col- Colby, Colby Boothman. Colby Boothman. What a name. Nice Colby Boothman. Man. Keep listening. Or keep, keep listening. Start listening. Yeah. <laughs> or we'll just keep on voting Jurassic Park in the title. <laughs> 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 yeah, we'll start hashtagging Colby Boothman. Aye. <laughs> see, if he, see if he spreads it out. Colby! Hey, we, no, we should make him like our... We should try and construct that he's a really famous fan. <laughs> you know, he's uh, not really fucking famous. He's a celebrity fan. <laughs> uh, no, apparently, like he's actually a really interesting actor. Like he, like he hasn't gone that long, but he tries to like reinvent himself like every year. So I think now we're on like Colby five point one. Nice one. Oh, god. <laughs> oh god. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> I've just got so, that. <laughs> so, I'm talking so, about that penny <laughs> So if he's want to tweet us, it's. At talk more movies. At talk more movies. On t- the Twitter sphere. <laughs> On the Twitter sphere. <laughs> and uh, safe home. Safe home. For all the if, pe- if you're listening to where you're driving. <laughs> Hi, for all the people in Sligo. Sorry, we said fuck so much. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> not as easy as it looks him. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He's got down to a fine art. See, you think I'm just some dickhead in the corner. <laughs> well, uh. <laughs> I suppose the two aren't mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shankos with Shankos. Yeah. Calm Herons with Calm Herons. Oh, yeah. Episode 63. It is six. Yeah, some start really strike. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying earlier, right? About the fucking. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, ACAS, or whatever podcast ever you like. <laughs> Goddamn. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.